want to welcome you. My name is Aaron Wardle. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, I have gotten a few interesting looks as I came in. People don't recognize me. I shaved my head in a sporadic and spontaneous act of declaring a new year. So this is what I look like now. What I'd like to do before I continue in our series in 1 John, I want us to move into a time of just meditating on some of the words that John records in his gospel that Jesus said. And I think that right now we need to just take a pause for a moment because would you agree that these are interesting times? And I have to confess, friends, I'm weary as 2020 was like an expectation of saying, oh, it's going to change, and then we spill into 2021 to go, oh, my word. It just seems to continue to billow up. And what I want to do before I launch into the sermon that I think is applicable to the season that we're in, I want, to take us, I want us to take a moment, and I want us to shift our attention from the things that are going around, on around us to the God who surrounds us. Can I get a witness on that? Take our attention and affection off the things that are going on around us to the God who promises he will surround us. Listen to these words that Jesus says in the Gospel of John. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, which means lots of troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world, you will have troubles. There will be seasons that are very, very difficult. There will be times of confusion and division, but take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. That regardless of what has happened in this past year, regardless of what happens in this next week, in this next year, Jesus is still on the throne. And what I want to invite you to do is just for a moment to just close your eyes. In light of all that is going on in your personal life, in your family, in your job, in our community, in our country, will you hear this truth? Would you just open up your hands to receive this as a blessing? These are the words from Jesus, the Messiah. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. I have said these things to you, that in me you have, may have peace. Yes, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And now, as we unlock and we release that truth of Scripture, I bless you in the name of Jesus that that may not just be words on the page that you hear, but that you may receive the peace that passes all understanding because you know that Jesus has overcome the world. And now I bless you with courage. And I speak, I speak to your hearts, and I say, take heart, have courage. Jesus has overcome the world. He is on the throne. No virus can knock him from the throne. 
No political conflict can knock him from the throne. No economic crisis can knock him from the throne. And may our tension be shifted and may peace fill our hearts and may we have courage. I pray these things in the name of Jesus, the Messiah. Amen. Lord, be with us in this time. I'm grateful to be with you. One of the things that I have noticed as I am firmly in middle age is there are two groups of people that can get away with saying anything. They don't have to be appropriate. They don't have to have couth. They can just say it as they see it, and that's children and old men. Children and old men seem to get away with saying whatever they want, however they want, and it doesn't have to have context. When my daughter Addison was little, she had this way of having no context, and she would just drop these verbal bombs on me. One night I was putting her to bed and she's really little. I think she's like four years old, which means Gracie is about six. And she's, I'm putting her to bed and we say our little prayer. May you dwell in the house of the Lord. She says all the days of my life. And after that, she says, good night, daddy. Gracie went out on the roof. What? Yeah, Gracie went on the roof. What do you mean? And then I hear through the vent, shut up, Addison. You're not supposed to tell him. They had these old vents where you could yell back and forth to one another. And she said, yeah, Gracie opened up my door window and went out on the roof tonight. And it was one of these amazing moments that there was no context. She just thought it was like, want to give you a little bit of information before you go to bed. Grace has been on the roof at night. She's six years old. It's fine. But she would do that all the time. And there would be times in public where they would comment on, pe- uh, they would comment on people's physical appearances. You ever been in a public place where one of your children decides to comment on someone's appearance? Not fun. So you try to shut them up. The only group that I have experienced to be worse are old men. My grandfather, we called him Pap. His nickname was Puzz. He was notorious for this type of thing. Hey, bud, good to see you. Sure are gaining weight, aren't you? Wow, that beard looks nice. A lot of gray in there. Oh, why'd you cut your daughter's hair like that? Looks like a lot, a lot like a boy. Just saying it as it is how they see it. The reason that I bring this up is this is the way John the Apostle, the writer of the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the letters, and the Revelation, he writes like an old man that just says, I'm going to call him as I see him. And he says whatever he wants. And in the first sentence that I'm going to talk about, he lays out this bomb on the people. And because he's an old man, he gets to say it however he wants to. The other reason John gets to say it how he wants to is John is one of the first disciples. John is the one who was there uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Peter and James. John was the one in the Garden of Gethsemane. John was the one who was there at the cross. John was the one in the upper room that leaned up to against Jesus as they were having the final, the last supper. John is the one that Jesus says, take care of my mom. John is the one that ran to the tomb and saw it empty. And John is the one that saw the risen Christ. When you have those credentials, guess what? Say whatever you want. I just want to hear what you have to say. With that in mind, I want to drop in to our passage that we're going to focus on today. John 2, 18 through 27. If you want to look on your virtual Bibles or your analog Bibles. John says these words right off the bat. Children, 
In the last hour, as you have heard, there are antichrists that are coming. So now many antichrists have come. See the awkwardness in a letter? Just want to let you know, kids, this is the last hour, and the antichrist is here. He lays out this really big warning, and John writes like Yoda talks. In Greek, this actually says that children, the antichrist there is. And so he writes in this cryptic way, but he is laying out in this passage a warning and encouragement for the people that I believe that not only was profound for the first century, but is one that speaks to us today. And so I'll read this. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they, did, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Hear the Yoda speak? But they went out, that it might be plain that, that they are all not one of us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If you have heard from the beginning abides, if that which you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that they made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone should teach you. But as anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has been taught to you, abide in him. John writes a warning and encouragement. What I want to next do, I, what, what I want to next do, I'm speaking like Yoda now. What I want to do for a little while is I just want to walk verse by verse. And I want us to hear what John is saying to that community and to our community. One of the things is that he starts with saying children. This is a term of endearment. He's saying, children, you belong to me. But he's also speaking to the develop, spiritual developmental stage that they are in. And he's talking as a sage, as a grandfather and father in the faith. He's saying, children, listen up. This is the last hour. So he speaks with this term of endearment. When he goes into this last hour, this can be very confusing. But one of the things to understand is that in the Jewish and early Christian cultures, they looked at two different periods. The period before the Messiah, and then what they would call the last days. And the last days or the last hour would be the period of time, the season, between when the Messiah has come and when the Messiah would return. And that's the time of the last days. And so it's seasonal. It's this long period of time. Guess what we live in? The last days. John and those followers and us have the same thing in common. We are living in the period after the Messiah has come, before Jesus has returned. Now, it gets a little interesting because John has a little more of a perspective on this. And this is more than just him thinking, hey, this is just a season, but this is a time where John actually thought and had the assumption that the Messiah would return in his lifetime. And so he's giving this warning a little more strong than maybe other people. 
And one of the reasons that I think he did this is because a conversation he had with Jesus and Peter on the shore. You see, after uh, Jesus had risen and he's having some breakfast with the disciples and he says to Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. Then Jesus says that you will follow me and feed my sheep. You will feed my lambs. And Peter's asking this question saying, that's great, Lord. But what about this guy? And he's talking about John. And Jesus gets a little bit sarcastic and he says, if I want him never to die till I return, that's up to me. John heard this. Guess I'm not going to die till Jesus returns. And so this is on his mind to say, I may not die. So I need to be prepared in this last season for what is going on. Children, these last days. The next thing, it begins to talk about Antichrist. And John is one of the only New Testament writers to talk about the Antichrist. Paul talks about false prophets and false teachers. Jesus talks about false teachers and deceivers. But John, the old man, he likes to take it up a notch. These guys aren't false teachers. These are Antichrists. When I read this, I remember as a kid growing up in the church, and growing up in the church in the 80s and 90s was a really interesting time for eschatology. Because if you went into the Christian bookstore, you saw books everywhere about the Antichrist. And so as I'm going back to get my DC talk tape and uh, listen to that, I had to pass a row of books that are talking about all the different Antichrists. And they had scary pictures on it, and I would just go, oh no, we gotta be, we gotta be concerned. Antichrist is everywhere. But what John is doing is, is he's dialing this down, not to say, don't be looking for ghosts and goblins as the Antichrist. This is what the Antichrist is, and he says, they're among you right now. That's not super comforting. Friends, these are the last days, and the Antichrists are among you. Tune in next week of Cornerstone for a message of hope. But what John says is, in this, he's just giving them a warning. And one of the things that he is doing is he's speaking to, to say that there are antichrists among you, that there is more than just one, and this is what an antichrist is. It is not just a demonic force, which yes, he is speaking in the spiritual realm, but he's also speaking about anyone who is against Christ, that is anti-Jesus. And not only anti-Jesus, but a counterfeit Jesus. And so he's warning them to say, hey, there are those among you that are in opposition to the character and nature of Jesus Christ. And I want to let you know that. Then he also is speaking to them and saying, not only are those who are obviously in opposition to the character and nature of Jesus, but they're counterfeiting it such a way to say it's kind of the same, but it's really different. And it's not the truth of the Jesus that we have taught you. And a couple of things that had happened in this time are there are two major movements that are beginning, they're, they're at a, like an, an embryonic stage. They would later on, these philosophies and these theologies would come later on into the second century, but they're beginning there. And the old man John says, we're going to cut this off in the beginning. We're going to get rid of this right now. And the two movements would be, as Brian talked about, Greek dualism. And Greek dualism believed that matter is bad. Anything that is material, flesh, anything, everything you see is bad. Spirit is good. Matter is bad. Spirit is good. And so when you follow this, one of the things that was happening is the people were saying, well, if my spirit is the only thing that matters, I can do whatever I want with my body. And they were. 
Their spirituality had nothing to do with their behavior and the physical nature. The second thing it had to do is it absolutely denied the divinity and the humanity of Jesus. And so when they had this thought to say, oh, matter and spirit are two separate things, that means Jesus is not the Messiah, the promised one. Jesus is not fully God and fully man. He is something other than that. And they would begin to teach these things in opposition. Some groups would just say, no, if he says he's fully God and fully man, then he is not any of those. And then they would have these deceitful things and say, the other one that was kind of counterfeit would say, well, he's kind of. He is a man who God has chosen, but he is not God. And that's a counterfeit gospel because that's in diametric opposition of what Jesus was saying and what John was teaching. So you had these two movements, and then they were like, if that's not enough, let's take Greek dualism, and let's add a dash of Eastern mysticism, and let's make this concoction of our own thing. Nobody would do that today, would they? Like, we wouldn't have a kind of tapas bar of, of religion that we can kind of take little pieces of everything. That's ridiculous. But this is what's going on in the time. They're taking pieces of Greek dualism. They're taking pieces of Eastern mysticism. And Eastern mysticism of this vantage, of this version says that you, a select few, will get a spiritual knowledge, a special knowledge, and that that will lead them to enlightenment and salvation. But only a select few get it. So cross your fingers. Hope you're one of them. So what they're doing is taking Greek dualism Eastern mysticism, Jewish traditions, and the Christian faith, and they're bringing it together in such a way, and John is flat out calling it anti-Christ, against Jesus, and a counterfeit. And John is writing this, and then he says, uh, as he goes on, he says, therefore, this is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. One of the things that is happening is these people in the first century church are not just experiencing this from the outside, like, oh, the other people, the, the civic leaders and other religions. This is actually growing in their own group. This is from the inside. How painful is it when a group begins to have confusion and division? And that's what John is speaking to. He's saying to these children, hey, let me let you know what's going on. Have you ever been in a situation where you just go, I can't put my finger on it, but something is off here. Anybody ever been in that? Something's not right. Something's not lining up. There's confusion and there's division and it's just not being said. One of the things that John speaks to in this letter, he says, it's a good thing that this billowed up, that this boiled up to the point that those people who believed that Jesus was not the Christ, they believed in the Greek dualism, they believed in the Eastern mysticism, they grabbed onto other little things. It's a good thing that they left you, even though it's sad, because the best part of the fact that they left you, they showed their cards. They showed what they actually believed. You knew that something was off. And finally, you go, oh, that's what it is. When they laugh because they say, we don't believe Jesus is this, it showed the enemy's hand. Does that make sense? The confusion was brought to light. There's an author, uh, a, a spiritual writer, who has done 
amazing things in the work of prayer, intercession, and healing. Her name is Leanne Payne, and she has a prayer called Painting the Dragon Red. And my dad has used this phrase many times. And it's the idea is when there's confusion and when there's something that is off, praying, Lord, will you paint the dragon red so I know what is not of you? Will you make it clear the things that are not of you? Leanne Payne says these things. This is her prayer. May the eyes of all who surround these people be open to see the situation as it really is. May their associates be given way to speak truth and light into the situation. And hear this. May any demonic power within these people or situations manifest itself, that it may be discerned and seen by all. May whatever you can salvage be saved, humbled and blessed by the Spirit of God. What John is saying in his, in his letter to them, hey guys, it's good that that group left because in their leaving, it showed the enemy's hand. And it's a good thing because everyone now is aware of what's going on. And so he writes these words as a warning. And then he moves in in a gentle way of the shock of last days, the shock of Antichrist, the shock that they're among you and it's good that they left you. None of that feels really great. And then he moves into the next section and he says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. I love that. He turns to them and says, Hey guys, I'm not writing this to rebuke you. I'm reminding you that you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. And that word for anointing, the meaning for what's going on there is that you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The one who hovered over the waters of creation, the one who conceived Jesus, the one who raised him from the dead, the one who came at Pentecost, the one who gives gifts, he dwells within you. Be reminded of this. You don't need any special knowledge because you have the presence of God within you. And the Holy One is Jesus. He's saying that through the Holy One, you've been given the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I love that much of 1 John, the letter, is a commentary and a continuation of the Gospel of John. And so if you're into these kind of things, reading the three letters of John with the Gospel of John you see, he's really commenting on some things he said before. In the Gospel of John 14, he says the words of Jesus. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Holy Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot, who the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells within you, and he will be in you. Later on, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance of all that I have said. Friends, John is saying, hey, this is the time you live in. Be aware. There are those who are anti-Jesus. There are counterfeit Jesuses. And it is a good thing that you get to see them clearly. But remember, don't focus on the warning. Remember what you have, that you have the spirit of the living God dwelling in you that is given from the word that became flesh, Jesus. The encouragement continues. John lets him know the reason he's writing. He says, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it 
and no truth is a lie. He's just reminding them that this isn't a rebuke. He's reminding them, this is just a warning. I want to let you know who you are, children. I want to let you know the season you're in, last days, and I want to let you know those things that are opposing you and deceiving you. But I also, more than that, I want to remind you the fact that the Spirit of God dwells within you, given to you, and that you know the truth. All of these things that are trending right now in your culture, or first century, you don't need to latch on to those new trends because you've already got the truth, and it dwells within you. He's kind of reminding them also, if you can imagine, I don't know about you, but I like to research things. And I like to find out what's new and new information. But sometimes that doesn't lead to a rabbit hole of enlightenment. It leads to a rabbit hole and a pit of confusion. John is saying to them, don't have spiritual FOMO here, fear of missing out. But what if there's a special knowledge that I need to have, like the Greek mystics? Or what if the Greek dualism is right? John is saying, you're not missing out on anything. You've already got the truth. And it's more than just knowledge. It's actually a spirit that's living within you. And then he gets strong in his language again, like only John can. He says, liars. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. That's some strong language. Calls these people antichrists, and he calls them liars. Let's them know, don't be deceived here. And this is the characteristic of their deception, their opposition that they deny that Jesus is a Christ, is the Christ. They deny that Jesus is the promised one who fulfills the law and the prophets that have been all through the scriptures. They deny that Jesus is the one who came to save the world from its sins. They deny the connection of Jesus to, to the Father. And so they're saying, Jesus is not the Christ. He's a good teacher and he's got some good thoughts, but he is not the Christ because he is not human and he is not divine. He is not who he says he is. John writes it also in the Gospel of John, in the very beginning, it says, in the beginning of, was the Word, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things have been made. Without him nothing has been made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of all mankind that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Later in 14, he says, And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And so John is saying, listen, Jesus is the word who has always been, and the word became flesh. Those who deny that that is who he is are liars, and they are deceiving you. And the people were trying to deceive him of that. They were also trying to deceive them, not only of Jesus' nature and his character, which would have just absolutely separated him from fulfilling the promise of the, prof, uh, of the, of the prophets. It would have separated him from the, his birth. It would have separated him from his life. It would have separated him from his death and his resurrection. And so they're denying all of those things. That's a bit of a problem, wouldn't you say? When you separate all of that from the gospel, that's a problem. They're also denying Jesus' inseparable relationship between the Father and the Son. Some of the thoughts of the age were saying, I don't have any problem, these individuals who are called the Antichrist, I don't have any problem with the Father. I don't have a problem with God. 
But I have a problem with Jesus. And I have a problem with their relationship. And by separating one from the other, you're actually opposing both of them. Jesus said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. And so he gives, John gives these warnings. Letting them know this is what you're looking for. It's good that those people have left. This is what their problem is. They deny these things, thus making them liars. And then he goes back to say, but let me remind you. In 1 John 2, 24 through 25, it says, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. The word abide in Greek, it means to remain, to dwell. It has this nature of habitating, like to, to inhabit, to live in, to live from. So he says, let the, what you have heard from the beginning, and what they had heard from the beginning was the truth that John had spoken that to them. What is John's credentials? He was there. If what you have heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he had made to eternal life. John is saying to them, hey, with all that is trending, all these things that are new, with all the confusion and all the things that are surrounding you, be reminded of what you learned in the beginning about Jesus. And be reminded that the Holy Spirit dwells within you and abide there, live there, live from that place. And know that as you live from that place, just as the Father and the Son remain and are connected and dwell together, you get to live and dwell with them. And eternal life that he talks about, promised at the end of this, the eternal life is he's reminding them of saying, hey, you don't need to fear the last days because you get to experience eternal life, the kingdom of God in the now and the not yet. John wraps up, and he's repeating himself quite a bit because he may, wants to make this emphasis of what is going on. He says, I write you these things about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. John is wrapping up. And he's saying to them, listen, be on guard. There are people trying to deceive you. Their goal is to deceive you. But if you will, just remember the anointing that you have received with the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. And remember the teaching of who Jesus is in his nature and his character. You don't need to worry. And you don't need a new teaching. And he's saying to them, you don't need anyone to teach you. And what he's not talking about there is you don't need mentors and you don't need coaches. That's not what he's saying. Is you don't need these individuals that are actually counterfeits and that are against the, uh, uh, Jesus. You don't need them to teach you. And you don't need some special spiritual knowledge that is outside. You have the apostles' teachings and you have the indwelling of the Spirit. That's enough. You've got what it takes. You've got what you need within you. And this isn't a, I'm a rainbow, I got enough. 
This is not their nature and character. What he's saying is, you've got the Spirit of God within you. And the Spirit of God will align to the teachings about Jesus. And those two things will be in a line, and it'll clear away all the confusion, and it'll bring peace to all the division. Now, I've given you a lot of information on the context of that. But as I overlay the things that are going on in the first century with the times that we find ourselves in, there's a lot of comparisons, isn't there? We live in an age of unprecedented information. But when you say we also live in an age of unprecedented confusion? You know, I go on my news feed, which is just dangerous. I try to get like six or seven different sides to counterpoint those. Now that there's an algorithm for Apple to tell me what I need to know. But one of the things that I see is that there's just perpetually new information trending. New theories, new conspiracies, new ideas. And what happens is it becomes just this absolute ocean drowning me in information and leads to confusion. Just look at what has happened to us as we try to figure out how to move forward with, the, with COVID-19. Has that not felt like a little bit of a hot mess? Information coming from all around us, what do I believe? And oftentimes what it does is it absolutely causes us to be paralyzed. But one of the things, and I believe that that actually begins to happen, and not just in the surroundings about COVID, not just happening with a political situation or race or economics or those things that are, that are in those realms, but it also begins to infiltrate our faith to say, what's true? What do I believe? Is there more information out there that someone's going to tell me that's going to change everything? That's when the old man John and his, and his awkward way of saying things steps in. And we read this for today. And imagine the old man wheels in here looking like Yoda. And he says, children. And you hear that that's who we are. We are children of God. We belong to him. And then he says, it's the last days. He's reminding them to know. And what is important for us is know the season that you're in, not just in the eschatological season of end times, and I don't want to get into that, but John is really just saying, know the season you're in. Hey, this is a season of confusion. Would you not say? Well, this is a season that has been rough. John speaks to the season. Know where you're in. And then he also speaks, and I think this is one of the things that John would say to us, know that some are trying to deceive you because they're peddling a counterfeit Jesus that denies that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ. And I believe what John would say to us right now is for us to step into this place that in all that is going on in every realm of life, if you forget everything I say in the rambling other than the fact that there was a little toy on, on, on Matt's mic and this... The spirit of the living God dwells within you through Jesus. And he will teach you, and he will convict you, and he will illuminate the scriptures that he has inspired. There are deceivers out there. There is false teachings out there. But take courage. You've got what you need. So what I invite you to do in this moment is as... Matt and the crew come back up and we're going to worship for a little bit. 
So I want to take, I want to invite you to take a posture of receiving and I want to pray over you and I want to pray over you two things. I want to pray over you that you may remember and that you may remain. John uses the word abide multiple times and he's talking about remain. And friends, children, in this season that you're in that has confusion and as there are those who want to deceive you, I bless you in the name of Jesus that you may remember the truth of who he is. That he is the son of God. That he is the one who forgives sins. That he is the perfect lamb who was slain. That he is fully God and fully man. That he lived a sinful life. That he died a sacrificial death. That he overcame sin and death. And then he extends that atonement to you. May you be reminded of who Jesus is. Also, friends, I bless you that you may be reminded that the spirit of the living God dwells within you. There's no secret knowledge you need. It's wide out in the open. I bless you with more of the Holy Spirit in your life. The last thing is I pray that you will remain that you will abide, that you will dwell from the place of connection to the Father and the Son and the Spirit. And though confusion may come and division may come, you may feel tethered because you abide in the mysterious and majestic relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit that invites you into that and that you may not be distracted by the situations around you, but that you may be confident of the God who surrounds you. I pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen.